Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. So we're going to get into the Word this morning. We're going to continue in our whole kind of series of living like Jesus, which we kind of just kicked off in a broad sense last week. So we want to continue up in that this, this uh, today and, and during the rest of the autumn. Now, at the beginning of the year, we had a Vision Sunday. And on that Vision Sunday, one of the things that we were speaking about was that this is a year of breakthrough. And this is a year of breakout, okay? And if you remember that message, uh, or if you weren't here, the essence of what was, was said as part of the Vision Sunday was uh, that King David was anointed to become king, to be the king. The Philistines didn't like that and knew that they had to take him out or try and take him out as quick as possible because they thought once, he, once he's king, or now he's king, he's going to have the, all of the army and the whole nation behind him, so we need to take him out. And when David heard that the Philistines were uh, coming to get him, then he went to the stronghold, as it says in that, in that particular passage, and in, that, in the stronghold, he inquired of the Lord and he said, what should I do? Should I go and attack them or take them? And the Lord said, yeah, go up and defeat them. So in that place of stronghold, that place of prayer, he heard from God. But then he had to actually go and see the victory take place. When he went and saw the victory over the Philistines, he then called the place Baal Perazim. And the word Baal Perazim, or those two words connected together, means where the Lord breaks out. So two key things here. There's the stronghold, which is the breakthrough moment. When we pray, we want to break through in prayer for the answers that God wants to release. But then we need to go to the place where we're going to see that breakthrough outworked, which is where God breaks out, where God works and moves. Are you with me? So that place was called Baal Perazim. This place is called the stronghold. So That was a word that God spoke to us about this year. Now, this year is a year of shift in kingdom faith. A year of uh, not just transition, but a year of shift. And we know that this year, Faith Camp was the last one. And uh, and that door is shut and it's finished. And God is beginning something new in this season. Now, how many of you know that you see God fulfill His word, not just by hearing it, but by believing it and responding to it. So in order to see God outwork what he says to any of us personally or to who we are corporately, then we need to hear what God says, believe what he says. And when we believe what he says, we actually act upon what he says. Until we act upon what he says, we don't necessarily believe what he's saying. So God can speak and we can acknowledge what he's saying And say, well, that sounds good, that sounds great. But it's only when we believe something that we then appropriate that and begin to act upon it and begin to move towards it. So we move from a place of hearing from God to believing, to acting, to then seeing what God wants to outwork. Are you there? Are you with me this morning? So what we want to look at this morning is is to be, how do we live like Jesus and have a relationship with the Father like Jesus had? And therefore, what does it mean then to pray like Jesus? Prayer at this time is absolutely essential, not just in our lives and for, for, the, for our, our own church that we're part of, but for our nation. 
Uh, our nation is in a massive moment. Uh, there, there's, as we said last week, there's divide everywhere. There's factions going on everywhere. The, the main political part, parties are, are all fighting within themselves and uh, as much as anything else going on. And we know there's a, this is a pivotal moment in our nation and, uh, and something is shifting in our nation. And we want to make sure as the church, not just a church, but as the part of the church in the nation, that we are really engaging with God at this pivotal moment in our nation. And that we don't just stand there as a bystander or as a, and say, well, I wonder how it's going to work out. What is it going to look like? But actually God wants us to engage in prayer because for many of us, it's that, that, that stronghold place, that place of prayer, that we can actually engage with God for his heart and purposes for our nation. Not many of us sit in government, in parliament, in those key decision-making moments, but there are many believers and Christians that are working in there, in different places, different departments, different areas. They're involved in different conversations and committees and, and, and decisions that are going to be made. So we want to be praying for the Daniels and the Josephs that are in those environments. Are you there? Jonathan Hannah Croft, who, who now lead the church in London, they have some Josephs and Daniels in the church there who work in Parliament, who work in the House of Lords. As Lords, as MPs, as people, as civil servants, they have people that are now joining the church there because they've been wanting to be part of something that thinks that there is a kingdom-minded church where the church isn't just saying, come and be part of our church, but we, we have to do what we're doing. They're saying, we want to be part of this thing because you have a heart for the nation. You have a heart for the city. You have a heart, uh, a broad heart. You have a kingdom mindset. And, and, and one particular person who is quite influential uh, in what they're doing said, I, I want to be part of this thing because I, I feel like what I'm part of is bigger than what I'm doing. This church has a, a kind of kingdom mindset which is bigger than what I'm doing on earth. But yet, there seems to be a sending heart and spirit here that says we want to make sure we help support and encourage and release you into what you are doing as part of God's purposes on earth to affect the nation at this time. And so that's the kind of heart that we have. That's why we're called kingdom faith. Okay, So we have a heart for the nation and, uh, and God gives us this spirit of faith and revival to see breakthroughs and then ultimately breakouts, Baal Perazim. So we've got to earth that in our own lives as well as on a, on a bigger scale that we're praying into. And so God says this is a year of shift this year. Now we, we began that in January and how much shift is taking place in any of our lives is connected with how we engage and respond with God and what he's saying. We can all be part of a body of people But how much we engage with that is down to us individually and how we respond to that in our own personal lives in terms of circumstances, challenges or things that God is saying to us that he wants to do or release in our families, our friends, our work world, the sphere of influence that we live in and that we we, uh, are responsible for. And so in that then we want to make sure we're positioning our lives, we're positioning where we are in our hearts and our minds and and our lives in a way that we are right where God wants us to be to see not just the breakthroughs in prayer but then the breakout to where God wants to see things happen. Wednesday morning this week at one of the eight o'clocks, um, we, we had a, a really powerful time uh, of, of just really strong prayer, prophetic release in terms of 
prophetic words, scriptures and various things. And one, some of those things are going to come out this morning in relation to what I believe God wants to say to us, but what he wants to continue to release amongst us this morning. And uh, Sharon is uh, Kevin's wife. Kevin was leading the meeting and Sharon's his wife. And uh, she uh, shared this picture she had while we're in the middle of praying and, and what God was, was, uh, was doing. And it was in the context where God had said to us, as we began to worship, as we began to pray, and there was just a release of God really and a flow where everybody was just really praying together. And, and what God began to say is we're in a time of war. There's, we know that we're in a time of war and we need to recognise that we're in a time of war as the church. The, the church, the big church, but also we together here, we need to realise we're in a war. Now when there's a war going on, you live in a certain way in wartime that you don't when there isn't wartime. And there's things you do when there, it's not wartime and you've got time and space in your life to do this, that and the other. But when wartime comes, there are a lot of things that we do that become unimportant or not necess- unnecessary because suddenly we're in a wartime and there's a focus that is needed in terms of time and energy and skill and ability and teamwork to actually then see a victory take place in that war. And in a war, there are many battles. And battles, sometimes, you know, you win them, sometimes it's challenging, sometimes you feel like, are we really, you know, are we losing or whatever? But we know that we're on the winning side. So in this war, we're going to war in the spirit, as it were, to see victories through our own personal lives and our families and ultimately in the nation and things turning around. Does anybody believe that today? That's the kind of spirit we have. That's the kind of church he's called us to be, okay? And while we were, while we were praying in this context... Uh, Sharon uh, uh, kind of shared this picture she had and, and she said, what I saw was uh, a woman in labour and this woman was giving birth to this child and uh, she said that it, it was the ninth month and she was giving birth in the ninth month to this child and then she said, God spoke to us in January about breakthrough and breakout and seeing a release and a shift this year and September, we're now in the ninth month. And what she said was, while this woman was in labour, she had to work with the contractions going on. She couldn't push when there wasn't a contraction because she'd be working against the flow of what was going on. But when the contractions came, she had to push with those contractions so that the baby came out at the right time in the right way. And so there are some contractions, if we can put it this way, in God that are taking place right now in this month and over this season where, where God is wanting to release what he wants to release. So therefore we collectively, together as a church and as a congregation here in Horsham, but also in our own personal lives, we want to push when God is pushing. We can't do something when God is not doing something. So when God is pushing in the spirit, if you like, and part of that, he's saying to us, okay, guys, this is a season of war. This is a time of war. This is a time where everybody needs to be on the battlefield. Everybody needs to be fully armed. Everybody needs to be in the fight. Everybody needs to be armed. Everybody needs to be speaking, praying, declaring. Everybody needs to be where they need to be on the battlefield. And while we were in this uh, context of prayer, um, uh, Rohan, who leads the Crawley congregation, he then said, hey, I, I've, uh, I've just had a picture of, uh, of a battlefield. And uh, on this battlefield, there are many people. 
And uh, he said, some of the people on this battlefield were, were us, our, our church. There were many more there, many other believers, but some of, them, some of it was, there, there's our church or whatever. But he said, on this battlefield, he, he said, across the whole thing, some people were, were armed and were really right in the middle of it all and were wielding the spiritual authority and the victory that God had placed in them. And they knew who they were. They were standing their ground, they were positioned, but they were being who God had called them to be in the battlefield. But then he said there were many people across this whole battlefield that, that weren't uh, armed up. They weren't involved. They were standing there watching what was going on. And he said some people looked at the battle and they were fearful, saying, well, hang on a minute, I don't know if I want to get involved in this because I could get hurt or I'm not sure how it's going to go. Others kind of looked at their weapons and they weren't really sure what to do with them. Well, how do I use this? That person seems to be really, you know, on it and going for it. But, but I'm not really sure what to do. And then others were kind of uh, looking at this stuff saying, I think I'm going to pick up and get involved and, and, and just ask some people to help me or whatever. And he said it was a mixture of people. And he said, within our own church, he said, as I looked, he said, there were some that were fully engaged, you know, armed up and involved. But there were some that were looking and, and waiting for something to happen before they picked up their stuff and said, I'm going to join in now. But, as, that, and, but as, as the thing continued, the battle continued, then people began to realise, actually, this is good. There's breakthroughs happening. There's victory happening. There's stuff happening. And people began to pick up their, their weapons, their, 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 their you know, faith of love or whatever it what, what you need in this battle or, or prayer, taking your position spiritually, first of all, in terms of what God is saying and, and doing. But he said those that didn't pick up, whether it was across the whole thing or in our own situation as part of a church amongst the church on the battlefield. He said those who didn't pick up their weapons and just stood there ultimately got taken out. They got injured, they got hurt, they got damaged. They ended up you know, on the floor holding themselves or getting upset or whatever it was. And, and he said because they didn't pick up their stuff, they didn't realise they didn't. And he, then he chatted to him afterwards. He, he said it was like they didn't push when God was pushing. They were kind of in their own, own world, doing their own thing, waiting for the church to line up with what they wanted to do or how the, they wanted the church to be for them. And, and, and it was like, no, no, you need to understand, there's a war going on, there's a battlefield, and you're on it, we're on it. Whether we like it or not, we are on the battlefield. You cannot be a bystander in the church because there's a war going on. And if we don't stand up and be who we're called to be in our own lives, together as a church, as part of the church, then we will get damaged, wounded, taken out ultimately because of what is going on in our time and in, in, in where we are at this, this season. Okay, you ready? So let's have a quick look at Jesus, okay? This is really, really important what we're going to look at now and, and why prayer is so powerful and prayer isn't something that we try and get God to do what we want him to do. Can I have all those chairs up? Is that okay? A couple of you guys, thanks. Um, so we've got, brilliant, thanks. Uh, no, you can leave them, you can leave these two, like that. Um, we'll have this one over here. Have that one there. And we'll bring this one in in a minute. Okay, so we want to turn to John chapter 14. If you've got a Bible, um, have a look there, whether you've got a physical one or on your phone or whatever. John chapter 14. And we just want to read for a few moments 
uh, how Jesus described his relationship with the Father. Because when we, we, we hear the first 10 minutes of what I've said already, it sounds like, right, I've got to be this, I've got to be that, I've got to be the other. No, what we're talking about is being who we are in God and allowing God to be who he is in us. So this is what Jesus says in John chapter 14. He's talking about Jesus being the way to the Father and what his relationship is like with, with him. So Jesus says in verse 6, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's not a popular verse in our culture these days, okay? If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, then uh, that will be enough for us. But then Jesus said, but don't you know me, Philip? even after I've been among you for such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Now let's look at this. He then says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? So these two chairs, these represent Jesus and they represent the Father, okay? So Jesus says here, don't you know, uh, he says here, I am in the Father so Jesus says, I'm in the Father. But then he also said, this is messy, okay, but it will work. But also the Father is in me. So Jesus is trying to communicate here, me and the Father, we're inseparable. We're one. There is no difference between me and the Father. He says, then he says, I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. The words I say to you are not my own. So Jesus is here now. And he's saying, my words are not my own. They're the words the Father, the Father gives me to speak. So he's saying, they're not just my own. They're the Father's words. And then he says, rather it is the Father, it's the Father living in me, doing his work. So Jesus is just there in the rest. He's there dependent on the Father. I'm in the Father, the Father's in me. They're not just my words, they're the words the Father has given me. He's the one living in me and he's the one at work. He's the one doing the work. Believe me, he said, when I say that I am in the Father. So then Jesus says again, I am in the Father, so I'm in him. But then he says in the next part of the verse, and the Father is in me. Hopefully you'll remember this. And the Father is in me. Then he says, at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. That's what he's saying to these guys. But I tell you the truth, anyone, anyone. Now, remember in the great rest, those of you who heard that message, the great rest, three things. This is somebody who doesn't know Jesus. They're out of relationship with him. They don't know him. And God wants to bring them into relationship with him in the same way that Jesus has relationship with the Father, right? Okay, so this is an unsaved person. Let's just say for right now, this is us as believers. So we used to be over here as unsaved people. When we responded to God, gave our lives to him, he brought us here in Christ, into him, and in the same relationship that he has with the Father, he now brings us into. So we are now one with Christ. We're one with the Father. We are in him. Okay? Now, what Jesus is saying here is because of this, who we are, he then says, uh, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me, 
faith in me, okay, anyone's faith in me will do uh, in me will, will do what I've been doing. Now, what did Jesus just say? It's the Father living in Him that enables that that is doing the work. And so what is he basically saying now? If you're in me and you have faith in me, you can do the same things as I have been doing because if I'm living in you, because the Father's living in me, then it's the Father that's going to be at work in you and through you. Okay, are you with me still? Then he says here, he will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father and you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So if we're living in him and he is in us, we're going to see things happen. Now part of living in the rest is that, that is the great rest right there, John 14. When we try and do things in our own strength, what do we do? We move over here. And remember this chair was called self, where we try and do things in our own strength for whatever reason. And uh, we get worried, anxious, or, or we don't, we, we, you know, we're not necessarily trusting God in a particular moment. And we get frustrated, fearful, annoyed, or whatever. And we try and you know, see stuff happen. And, and God is kind of on his throne looking at us saying, well, I can't work in you at the moment because even if I showed you what to do, you would try and do it in your own strength. So what I want you to do is come back in a place of trust, into a place of abiding in me. So how do you do that when you give that situation to God, whatever it is? You surrender yourself afresh to him and you say, Father, I ask you to forgive me for being worried or anxious or fearful. I'm trying to do this in my own strength. I'm getting annoyed with others. I've got a short temper or whatever's going on. Father, I need you to forgive me. I ask you to do that and I want to surrender afresh and come back into a place of trust and rest and relationship with you because this is the place where things happen. God's not going to work through us here. He only works through us here because what does Jesus say? That I don't speak the words of my own. It's the Father living in me that does his work. And he's living in, in him because he's trusting the Father at any given moment so that the Father does what the Father wants to do through him. So he's saying, if I'm in you now as Jesus in us and we depend on him in the same way, then we're going to see the Father work through our lives. Okay? So then what does he say? How does this happen? Because Jesus then said, right, I'm now going to the Father. So you think, well, hang on a minute. So you've got to undo the chairs, take the Father somewhere else and move Jesus. Because the Father's somewhere else. Jesus is going somewhere else. But what does it say here? He says, uh, verse 16. I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. So what does the Holy Spirit do? See, we're still in Christ and Christ is in us. We're still in the Father and the Father is in us. But because Jesus is up in in heaven with the Father, what does he do? He says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is going to live in you and he's going to show you everything that the Father showed me. He's going to show you and reveal you to you. But the Holy Spirit doesn't do things on his own. He only does what he hears and what he's told by the Father to do. And so you're going to get instructions. If you live in me and you trust in me, 
and the Holy Spirit is in you, you're going to get instructions from the throne room, from the Father, to the Holy Spirit to speak into your life here to enable you to see and do the same things that the Father did through Jesus. Are we there? We're just reading the Bible this morning. Is that okay? This is what the Bible says in, in John 14. It isn't magic. It's not for a few. This is for every believer. It doesn't matter how old, how young. It doesn't matter how tall, how short. It doesn't matter what, whether you're a male or female. It doesn't matter what colour skin you are, what your background has been. The Word of God is exactly the same for every person on the planet who dares to believe it. And you're one of those people. You believe what God says about himself and you in relation to him. Now, if we understand that, that means prayer becomes incredibly powerful. What does Jesus say uh, in, uh, uh, where is it? Well, this whole, through the whole chapter. What is he saying? He's saying, Father is in me and I'm in the Father. So when you talk about Father, you're talking about relationship. You're talking about sonship. Where there's sonship, that means in, in sonship, you have acceptance, you have inheritance, and therefore you have rights, and therefore you have authority. So as a child of God, the amazing thing about being a child of God uh, is that we were adopted into sonship. Now, in natural birth, you don't choose your children, do you? Uh, in terms of what they're going to look like or, or anything else, you, you know, what is born is born, okay? And they're yours and you love them, don't you? Because they're yours. But when you adopt somebody, what do you do? I mean, in the same way, naturally born, you, you obviously, husband and wife got together, had a great time and, um, and the wife got pregnant. And so on one level, you have chosen to have children. So even naturally, your kids are still chosen because you've chosen to have them, Right? But the amazing thing with God is we don't deserve anything of who God is. His unmerited favour, His unfailing love. We don't deserve any of it. But yet the Bible talks about that we are adopted. If you read Ephesians chapter 1, it talks about us being adopted into His family. When you adopt somebody, somebody goes to an adoption place and they look at pictures, they meet them and say, yeah, we'd like that one or this one or the other or these two or these three or whatever. So you're chosen, you're called. And then you come from a place of isolation or, or maybe even being an orphan or you have no identity or whatever and suddenly you're brought into a family. You're suddenly given a father and a mother. You're given parenthood. You, you now have an identity in, in, in a family. So therefore you're accepted. You then have an inheritance because you've been taken out of a desolate place and brought into a place of inheritance. And because of that inheritance, you now have a right to certain things. So in naturally, in, in our home, in, as our kids were growing up, they're accepted because they're our kids. They might misbehave here and there, but that doesn't change the way we love them. Our acceptance isn't also based on how good they are at something either. So it wasn't that we love one of them because they were good at this or good at that or whatever. We love them because of who they are. And so therefore there's an acceptance in, in that scenario. But there's also an inheritance there because there are kids. So everything that is ours is theirs. Everything in the home that is ours is theirs. 
They can, you know, or maybe not when they're so young, they just go and get whatever they want out of the fridge because you, you, you train your kids, don't you? But they know what they can and can't do in that sense. They know what the inheritance is. At some point, whatever we have on this earthly whatever, they will inherit. Some of that they get blessed with now, whatever we can do for them. But one day, whatever we leave behind, they will inherit between them, okay, which will give them resources in different ways. The great thing about being a child of God is that we have resource now. We have an inheritance now. We have the fullness of God now on earth as if we were in heaven. Because what did Jesus pray in Matthew 6? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So he's saying it's relationship with Father. That's where it starts. And it's amazing how he said our Father. He didn't just say my Father. He said our Father. So there's something corporate about this relationship with God that we have together. Most of the Western mindset is very individual. We're individuals and we come together to be the body of Christ. The mindset of, of those guys, Jewish, is much more community, family. We're in this together. It's a plural context Jesus is speaking about, which challenges some of our, our Western mindsets. Okay, But Jesus said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, honoured, worship be your name. But then he said, Your kingdom come on earth, as it, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, why can he say that? Because he knows he's a son who's accepted, who has inheritance, but he also has rights as part of that being a son. And therefore, the father, the father gave Jesus authority to act in his name on earth, to speak in his name on earth, because he was a son. Therefore, he had inheritance, but he also had rights. And the Father gave him a right to be an ambassador, somebody who was a spokesperson, who was going to act on the Father's behalf, but in relationship with the Father, at one with the Father, to see the Father's word, uh, uh, heart and, and uh, purposes worked out on, on the earth. But then with those rights, because he is a son, he also he gets delegated authority from the Father to act in his name and to speak in his name. And we have the same because Jesus said we're going to do, see the same things on earth as Jesus was doing. We can do the same things. Why? Because we're accepted, we have an inheritance, we have, uh, we have rights and therefore we have authority. But it's all living in a place of rest, trust. We're not trying to accomplish this in our own strength. But yet, this is a place of work. One of the words in Scripture for, for prayer is travail. When you travail in prayer. The word travail means to work, to co-work, to cooperate with. Uh, and so one of the ways that Jesus prayed, when we look in, uh, in Hebrews 5 verse 7, it says that he prayed with loud cries and tears because of his reverent submission. Or he was heard, sorry, because of his reverent submission. He didn't pray loud cries and tears because of his submission. He was heard because of his reverent submission. What are Jesus saying here? He's saying, as I, as I walk with the Father and as I'm one with the Father, and now you're in me with the Father, I give you the Holy Spirit to enable you to be at one with me. What is that? That means uh, 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 submission to his authority. But it says reverent submission. What is reverence? Reverence is an awe. It's like being in awe of who God is. It's a holy fear. It's a reverence saying, God, you are God and I am not. You have adopted me now as a child of God. I now have sonship in your kingdom. 
I have acceptance, I have inheritance, I have rights now as a delegated you know, authority, and I now have authority which is delegated to me by you. And so I don't just want to be submitted to you, I want to be in reverence, in awe of who you are. Because the Bible says he was heard because of his reverent submission. There was an awe of God there. When there's a reverent submission, there's a release of God that takes place round our lives, out round and about. So this is Jesus then showing us that he's at one with the Father, the Father's at one with him, we're now one with them in Christ, but he's also given us the Holy Spirit to enable, to grace us, to empower us, to be who he's called us to be. In, uh, in that chapter that uh, Kevin read from Daniel 3, that is one of our readings today, um, you know, I was reading through that <clears throat> this morning as well. And while I was praying, there are a number of things that were in that chapter that God uh, just kind of brought out. And we're living in days, you know, where there's uh, spiritual pressure to silence Christianity or to silence God's delegated or, or, or God's ambassadors on earth. So it doesn't matter what the issue is out there, it's all to silence, ultimately, the voice of God being heard in our nation, in our culture. It's to try and move the paradigms in people's thinking, the mindsets in people's thinking, so far away, so far away from, a, from something biblical that our nation might once have been that is not now. But there are some wells spiritual wells that can still be undug. But the enemy is trying to move everything so far away that even if you say, I'm a Christian, immediately, oh, so you're a bigot then. And you haven't even said anything else. You just say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. Well, you're this, you're that, you're the other. Because the enemy wants to move the conversation so far away that anything you say or however you live that suggests something different than the status quo of where certain people in the culture want certain things to go and to be, that it becomes a challenge to live and to be who God's called us to be. So in this story, Nebuchadnezzar, what he did, he, he had a golden, massive golden um, statue made of himself and he made a decree in the nation, everybody and the nations... Everybody has to come and bow the knee to this golden statue to worship me. And anybody that doesn't, basically we put them to death. And so what took place in that moment? So this decree went out in verse 8 of, of Daniel 3. At that time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. <laughs> it's interesting, whenever there is any pressure that goes on in a culture... Part of that pressure will be focused on the Jews to try and take them out in some way or other. And <clears throat> here it says to denounce the Jews. Now, that's some of what is going on now with the things that are being spoken about, anti-Semitic stuff going on. It's a spirit that is at work. And it's not just going on over this in our nation. It's going on in loads of different nations in Europe. Anti-Semitism as a spirit is on the rise. Uh, I don't know if any of you saw the... Um, uh, the documentary the BBC did a couple of weeks ago about, what was it called, the Jewish? We are British Jews. Does anybody see that? If you haven't, it's really worth a watch, right? On, you can get it on BBC iPlayer. 
And uh, they, they got, I think it was eight Jewish people. Uh, none of them were believers, were they? Eight Jewish people, not Messianic. They were eight Jewish guys, men and women, different ages. And they, two-hour documentary, uh, or two one-hour documentaries. One was, what is it like being a Jew in Britain? But then they took them to Israel. I don't think any of them have been before, had they? Or one or two of them. And then they took them to Israel to experience and have meetings with all sorts of different people. And uh, whether it was Jewish people, Palestinians, various people. And they wanted them to... Did, did, did going there and meeting the people change their, them in any way, shape or form or challenge them or whatever? Well, Jane and I were up at Parliament earlier in the week for a, for a seminar thing late one afternoon. And... Uh, we just happened to be waiting before we were going in. And one of the people on the program was there. And we bumped into him. So we started having a conversation with him. And uh, he, he said that in the last two weeks, since that program went out, he said, I've had to, I've had to come off Twitter. Um, because uh, he said, the amount of abuse that I've had is, is unbelievable. He said, I, I, I'd faced a little bit of anti-Semitism before and people kind of saying stuff because I'm Jewish. But it's, if I'm honest, it's never been that bad. It's just, yeah, it's the usual things people say. Uh, he said, I hadn't experienced some things like others had in that particular group that I went with. He said, but since that program went out, he said, he said I can't even repeat some of the things that were tweeted to me and, and, and about, he said, unrepeatable kind of things. So I've had to come off that, you know. And everything because of the hate that is is uh, out there, um, because of of what that program showed or didn't show, or whatever is going on. Whenever the enemy is at work, there'll always be a denouncing of Jews in in some way as part of that. Okay, and so what these astrologers did, they said, "Hey, there's some Jewish guys that aren't doing this," and so the king was annoyed. Get them in front of me, throw them in the fire, and all of that. And as we heard in that story. The, uh, there was a fourth person in there. How many of you know who that fourth person was? Right, begins with a J, finishes with an S and has E-S-U in, in the middle, right? So Jesus was in the middle there with them, okay, in that moment. Now we live in a culture where, where there's obvious things where people might give their lives to stuff, materialism and all of that kind of thing. But what's, what's becoming so much stronger than just a bit of materialism or a bit of this, that, the other is lifestyles and agendas that are coming up. And it might not be that somebody puts a massive statue in the middle of Horsham and says everybody has to come and bow down to it. If not, you're in trouble. But it's coming in the form of other things. And, and whatever it, the form it's coming in, what the voice of those things is saying is... We have a right to be who we want to be in the way we want to be or we want to believe what we want to believe or whatever religion it is or circumstance it is. And if you don't like it, then we're, coming, we're, we're against you. And because we want to make this the norm of the day and the things that are said and the laws that are going to change, if you don't agree with those laws, then we're going to bracket you as this, this, this or this or whatever. And so now what it, what it turns around to being now is if you don't agree with that, then you are wrong because now this has become right because it's now law. What these get, so even though King Nebuchadnezzar said, this is a law now, everybody has to worship this statue. They were brought before him and they said to him, look, King Nebuchadnezzar, with all due respect, we know you're the king of this earth, but we serve one that is higher than you. So we can't bow down because we serve, we have an awe, a reverence 
if you don't have awe and reverence in your life towards God, then you'll come under something else. Because awe and reverence, reverence is connected to your revelation of who God is. It, then it's connected with a conviction that you have on the inside of you that I cannot bow down to the spirit of the age and the spirit of the day. Now, that doesn't mean we, we verbally shout at people, get aggressive and all of that kind of stuff. We, we have to come with a right heart and approach, right? But we're not bowing to what is operating in, in, that, in that way. And so what Jesus is saying here is... is as ambassadors on earth, you've been given authority. So therefore in prayer, we come, we take authority over this kind of stuff. We have to. Who else, if the church doesn't, who else is going to take authority over these things? There is a spiritual realm and a spiritual battle going on. Yes, there are things that God gets us to do in the natural to see the breakouts of what God wants to do. But we cannot take on something spiritually from a natural position. We have to deal with it as a spiritual thing. Okay? And so Jesus was heard because of his reverent submission. And so we want to live reverently submitted to the Father and what he wants to do. That means how we pray and what then takes place. I just want to read you one last scripture, then we're going to pray. Okay, Psalm 24. Um, uh, no, Psalm, uh, what is it? Psalm 18, verse 29, and a few verses, okay? In relation to, we're, we're going to come into some very specific stuff over the next few weeks as to how do we live, how do we, in, in, and, and how do we act, and what do we say in certain contexts. But we, because God has given us the same relation, because Jesus has given us the same relationship that he had with the Father, he's given us that. We want to cultivate that in our, in our lives. So therefore, imagine what it's like then if you're in Christ like this and you're resting in him and the Father says, I want you to pray that. Wow. What gets released when we pray in his name at one with the Father? What gets released when God says, now I want you to go here and see that happen or do this? Or, you know, breakout could be having your neighbours around for dinner. Breakout isn't some great moment that you're going to, you know, see. Breakout can be loads of things happening, lots of different moments in our lives. For Jane and I, some of the breakout moments at the moment is the relationship that God is developing with some of the Jewish leaders in the Jewish community in, in, in the UK. And that's a pathway that we're walking on and we're having to trust him with it. And we had a meeting earlier this week with uh, the rabbi that was at the, the Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast in London last May, with some Christian leaders, some guys from the embassy, and, uh, and Stephen Jaffe, who, who many of you would have seen at Faith Camp before. And we had a meeting Wednesday morning, a whole bunch of us, to kind of uh, just look, what, how, how can we build relationship, this, this relationship of trust and friendship? How can we as Christians stand with the Jewish community and uh, going forward, and what can that look like? And, and, um, and so there's amazing favour... That, is, that God's giving in that relationship that's developing and, and moving forward. And so for us, this is a place of trust and rest where it's like, okay, Father, we can't do this in our own strength. We have to trust you in leading us forward in what you're opening up for us to walk through in these scenarios. And these guys uh, in the Jewish community, they're saying, we've never done this before in this way. And in the same way that before the Balfour Declaration 100 years ago, uh, quite a number of years, decades, running up to that moment, 
there were Christians and Jews that became friends, that began to work together, that culminated in the Balfour Declaration uh, and everything. So in this relationship we develop, who knows where it can go? As part of God's purposes, who knows? All we know is we've got to follow what God is saying to build relationships with these guys. And however God is going to use that, anti-Semitism is not going to go away. Like easily. It's a spirit that's at work. And, uh, and so therefore, as the church, and certainly our ch- kingdom faith as a church, we are definitely going to stand with the Jewish people. Okay? And we're going to continue to pray for them and uh, see God reveal who he is into their lives in, in greater ways. So they come to know him uh, in, in a greater way. And so, uh, so in, whether, whether it's a personal thing, whether it's something we're doing as a church, as part of a small group, whatever that vision is for your small group that you're in, and, and whatever God wants to do through that small group, because small groups are not focused around what are we going to do as a small group together so we can just rub each other's back and have a nice time. Every small group has to have a purpose and a passion to go somewhere to see God do something. So when you come together in a small group, you're coming together, there might be more chairs, maybe eight, ten chairs, with Jesus, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, and you're coming together because there's things God wants to do, not just in the small group as a, as a group, but also through that small group to affect and change other people's lives. I mean, so that's why we have small groups. It's to, it's to connect with one another, to build relationships with each other, but also to bring life into not just our own lives, but others. There's got to be a purpose and release. We've got to grow in the things of God, but grow in our fruitfulness, connect, relate and grow through those things. Let's stand together, shall we? Let's jump to our feet. And uh, I was going to read Psalm 18, wasn't I? Sorry, I got distracted by myself there. <laughs> Psalm 18. Here we go. While you're standing up. Okay, it says, With your help I can advance against a troop. With my God I can scale a wall. So you might be looking at stuff in the culture these days and and you have a good old moan about it. Stop moaning about what's going on out there. Our moaning doesn't change anything. Us disagreeing with something, just saying, oh, I disagree with that, whatever, doesn't change anything. What begins to change is when we pray. And when we pray, God will begin to get you to act in different ways and most of it will just be opportunities where you end up having a conversation with somebody you begin to chat to people and, and over the last we've had different ones like that where you begin to have a conversation somebody's quite strong with you in different ways about where they're coming from or, or they don't believe in God whatsoever or anything but by the end of the conversation they've softened they've changed because you've you've communicated something about the reality of God the heart of God how he sees them and the relationship he wants to have with them. And people, the Holy Spirit begins to just do a bit of a softening work in people. Because the spirit in you is greater than the spirit that is at work in somebody else, right? Uh, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. For who is God beside the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like feet of a deer, which means we don't get stuck in stuff. When you've got feet like a deer, you skip over things, right? You don't get caught up by the, the surface and the stuff that's trying to suck you down, okay? It's got, uh, he enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You, you'll, only see thing, you'll only see prayer work if you pray. <laughs> It's just one of those things. You know, if you pray, you're going to see results, right? Um, Then what does he say? 
Uh, you give me your shield of victory, verse 35, and your right hand sustains me. You stoop down to make me great. You broaden the path beneath me so that my ankles do not turn. So I don't get, I don't get taken left or to the right or distracted or, or deceived or whatever. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. So what does that mean? It means in prayer, in the spirit, as a church, as believers, we continue to stand against the spirit of the day. But it's not just standing against the spirit of the day, it's what we bring as believers. So God has called us to bring life. He's called us to bring salvation. He's called us to bring hope and healing and deliverance and freedom. That's so we stand against things to stop them, but then we move forward to release what God wants to release. That's why the prayer is the breakthrough in the, uh, what was it called here? The stronghold. But then we've got to go to the Baal Perazim where God's going to break out and work and move, right? Whatever that context looks like. Could be in the workplace one day. Could be at your home another day. Could be in some of you involved in the community another day. Could be an outreach you're doing. Life discovery could be there. There's a breakout. People that are unsaved coming. They hear the gospel and there's been prayer going on to break through for their lives. But then as they hear the gospel after they've had to go on a quad bike or something else, then God breaks into their heart and life and they know, wow, I've got to give my life to Jesus. That's a bowl perazine moment. Those kind of things. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I, I, I did not turn back till they were totally destroyed. I crushed them so that they could not rise. These are not people. This is what goes on in prayer, in the spirit as we believe, right? I crushed them so they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for battle. You made my adversaries bow at my feet. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight and I destroyed my foes. They cried for help. The enemy cries for help. But there was no one to save him to the Lord. But he did not answer. I beat them as fine as dust. Born on the wind, I poured them out like mud in the streets. That's our God. That's how God deals with the enemy. That's how we want to deal with the enemy. That's, you have breakthrough in your spirit. You are a breakthrough person. That's the kind of spirit that God puts on the inside of you. God doesn't put a nice little gentle thing on the inside just to have a little la-la with Jesus. He puts the spirit of breakthrough on the inside of you so that God can break out through our lives individually as a church in the way that He wants to. We need to recognise we're in a time of war. War is going on around us. The enemy wants to take our nation down even harder than it has been for the last ever many years. And, and on the inside of us, we stand up as believers on earth and we say, No! That is not the destiny of our nation, of our communities, of our towns, our families, our friends, our work colleagues. That is not their destiny. Devil, you are not having our nation. You are not having our friends. Because we're here as ambassadors on God's behalf to be who He's called us to be. Let's just close our eyes for a minute. Thank you, Jesus. So you're on the battlefield. And you want to make sure you've got everything in hand. Just make sure you're not a bystander, you're not looking. You, we're on the battlefield whether we like it or not. There's a, there's a war going on whether we like it or not. If we don't engage, we get taken out. We get wounded, damaged or whatever. If we engage, we're going to see victory. Yes, there are battles. Yes, you know, our faith has to be proved it's genuine. Yes, there's going to be opposition. There'll be challenges, whatever that looks like. But it's par for the course. Jesus was persecuted through his ministry. The early church was persecuted. Generations of Christians have been persecuted. Some people live in persecuted nation, nations where there's persecuted all the time. It's part of Christianity. 
If there's any mindset that we have that opposition, challenge or persecution doesn't fit in Christianity, I need to feel a total sense of well-being and peace and everything's going great all the time. That man, that's a false kind of understanding of what it can be like to be a believer. And so there are things going on in our nation that's trying to shut the voice of God's people down or ultimately the voice of God down. And, and therefore, it's like, well, let's not moan and complain. Let's rise up on the inside. Let's pray. And whatever actions God leads us to take, let's take them. But we're going to take them with the right heart and the right spirit. So how many of you want a relationship with the Father like Jesus had? Well, it involves, this is what it means. If you know me and you're in me and I'm in you, it means living on the battlefield. It means taking authority. It means looking in the face of the enemy, walking towards him and saying, like, like David did Goliath, you're not going to take me down. Who, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? You have no right. You might try and look huge and intimidating, but there's somebody I'm trusting in that's far greater than you. Now that's what we do in the spirit. But in the natural, we love people, we serve people, we go out of our way to go the extra mile. That when we speak to people, it's with, with compassion, with grace, with mercy, with kindness, with gentleness. Words of knowledge and wisdom then begin to flow because we come with the right heart and right spirit. It, we don't confront people and just have a go at them because that, that just causes factions and and ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. People have a go at us and it's like, okay, Father, I thank you. Enable me and grace me right now to, to just absorb not take on board, but just, and my response is going to be one of grace or mercy or love or compassion or, or whatever. I'm not going to raise my voice and start arguing with you around the houses because you'll never convince everybody from a mental point of view. You can't. It's only the Holy Spirit that can reveal Jesus. It's only the Holy Spirit that can reveal the truth into people's hearts. So we're not here to argue with people. When Stephen spoke the day he was stoned, I'm not saying everybody's going to be stoned when you start standing up for Jesus in a different way, but, but they said they couldn't stand up against the spirit by which he spoke. And that's how we want to be in our lives. So let's just, before we close, because all the kids are coming back and I've gone over or whatever. Father, I surrender afresh like we did last week. I'm on the battlefield. I want to be, I'm fully armed. I want to live like that. I want to be positioned where you've called me to position. I want to pray in the way you've called me to pray. I want to stand in the way you've called me to stand. I want to be you've called me to be, where you've called me to be at this time, in the workplace, in business, in the community, in my home, with friends, whoever it is, wherever. Doors you open up, things I have to step into, wherever I have to go, whoever I need to meet, whatever influence you want to work through our lives. Father, we want to do it with reverent submission. If anybody's fearful about the days we're living in, cast that fear onto the Lord. Say, Father, I give you the fear. Where's it going? What's going to happen? Cast all that fear. The enemy, what does fear do? Fear shuts people down. It cripples people from moving. And we, are not, we haven't got a spirit of fear. We've got one of power, love, and of a sound mind. So just take hold of that afresh this morning. Father, I thank you that I don't have a spirit of fear. And I'm not going to live in fear for, of whatever goes on in our culture, our society, or whatever the enemy might want to inflict me with, I'm not having that in the name of Jesus. I have the spirit of love, power, power, love, and of a sound mind. 
So, Father, we thank you. We praise your awesome name. Father, I just pray that the word will do the work today in each one of our hearts and lives. That you'll find us responding during the week, not just a prayer at the end of a meeting, but, Father, through the week, you find us responding as situations rise, as we find ourselves in different circumstances, that we'd be led by you, fueled by you. We'd have your thoughts, your heart, your compassion, whatever we need in any given moment. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you release through us anything we need at any given moment to be who you've called us to be in that thing. And Father, I thank you for a deep conviction where we will just not compromise. But when, we, when that's going on inside us, it's not from a place of hardness. It's from a place of grace and mercy, compassion, love, because it's a conviction of, on the inside of us. So, Father, we exalt you. We praise your name. Father, I thank you as people just sign up into small groups, get connected with others and move forward in your purposes. Thank you, people connecting with Freedom or Alpha. Now's a great opportunity to invite people to Alpha. We want to see people saved, right? Alpha will only be as effective as the, as the, for the unsaved people that we bring. If we don't bring anybody, nobody's going to hear the gospel. And so we want to encourage you. If there's friends, there's no harm in asking the questions. You want to come to Alpha? They might say no, but you never know. They might say, actually, yes. Who knows, they might have had a dream the night before, but they're never going to let on to you. But they had a dream and they might have found themselves, I had a dream, I was sitting in meetings talking to people about Jesus. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, I wouldn't mind coming. Who knows how God is preparing somebody because you're going to say, hey, can I, do you want to come to Alpha with me? Who knows? So Father, I thank you. I praise your name. Father, I just speak your goodness, your blessing, your abundance over our lives, over our families, over our homes, over the workplace, our going out, our coming in, in every place that we, we, are, we are in our lives. I thank you that you go before us. You open up the way so we can walk with you into those things. And Father, I just pray right now, anybody in this place that does not know you, Father, I thank you. You show who you are into their lives. You reveal who you are into their lives. I thank you, Jesus, in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, just, I know we need to close. If there is anybody here today and you don't know Jesus, I would love to talk to you afterwards. If you want to find out more, say, well, what does it mean to know Jesus? I'd love to talk to you, okay? We have people also from our prayer team. If you're part of the Freedom Prayer Team, if you can make yourself available for a few minutes afterwards, if you do need any prayer for anything else, you need someone to agree with you, then please come. These guys would love to agree with you, pray with you and see God work in your life. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.